Heavenly Father, we love you and we're thankful for you. And that is our prayer, that God, you would build your church. We love you, and as we open your word, I pray that you would speak to us. And when we open your word, we have two, two options. We can either accept it or reject it, but we can't ignore it. So as we open your word and look at your truth, I pray that we would accept it this morning. And we would leave here forever changed. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, you guys can go ahead and grab a seat. Again, welcome to Harvest. My name is Trey. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here, and I just want to say welcome. It is good to see you all. In 2012, um, which is like three or four years ago, right? That's how it it seems. Um, In 2012, um, I was uh, 17 years old at a youth camp, and um, just talking with some of my buddies about, you know, what do you want to do with your life? What is, what's kind of the dream? What's the vision? What's the mission? And, you know, at 17 years old, you have it all figured out. And so I was just telling them my grand 30-year plan. Um, and ministry was not even brought up <laughs> in, that, in, that, in that conversation. And then fast forward to 2013, I, I, go, off to, um, I go off to college and then um, to play basketball and um, start volunteering at a church where I was going to college and um, got to this moment where at a moment with God I said God I can try to do what I want to do but at the end of the day you got to do what only you can do in me and I'm willing so whatever it is wreck my world and he did in a good way I went to another Bible college and began to study ministry and um which led me to um going on an internship to togo west africa which is where i met my wife who was also on an internship at the same um at the same place and she was transferring to the same college i'm at and so i shot my shot i was like all right shoddy what's up (laughs) um and uh here we are today Um, we have two kids or products of passion um and uh i you know, it, you, it's hard to imagine what life would have looked like if you didn't say yes. Um, in June of 2020, my wife and I drove around the Harmony St. Cloud area praying, like, God, is this where you would have us plant a church one day? And um, we were just driving, and we just felt overwhelming peace about being here. And so, in, um, in 2021, we moved with a five-month-old, and we left our community, we left our family, um, left a church that um, I had been at my entire life, my parents had been at their entire lives, um, and we moved here to plant Harvest Harmony St. Cloud. In October 24th of 2021, this church came into existence and it has been one of the greatest joys of our lives to lead this church and I know I said earlier if you're a first-time guest you're like what did I walk in on this morning (laughs) this is a good Sunday to be here Um, I I promise you this is actually a really good Sunday to be joining us because we are celebrating one year of ministry here in the Harmony St. Cloud area, which is worth celebrating, people. (laughs) And getting to a year of ministry as a church plant, as a true church plant, is one of the hardest things you can do. 
And I just, I'm not talking about like me, like pat myself on the back. I'm talking about the people who call this their church home. It's one of the hardest things to do. If you can tell, we don't meet in a multi-million dollar facility that we built. This is a pop-up church. We rent out the middle school and um, we, we set up the pipes and drapes and the chairs and the lights and all that stuff. And when we leave here, it looks like a cafeteria. In fact, when we move the tables back, it feels like a cafeteria from all the gum you touch underneath the tables. But this is a place that for many of you, in fact, in our year of ministry, we have seen 47 people come to know Jesus since we have opened our doors, which is awesome. (laughs) And um, we have baptized individuals, and we're going to baptize more today. But we are here because people from around the world have generously supported us. They have been praying for us. And not just pray that we would meet and and generous, that we would just gather, but they have prayed that we would gather on Sunday so that way you and I can go and scatter on Mondays to be lights in a very, very dark world. People have helped us get here so that way we could live on mission and reach this community. And our mission here at Harvest, it's on the giant sign in the back, it's all over the place, is that we are people helping people know and follow Jesus. We're not superheroes. We're not spectacular. We are just ordinary people. We're ordinary people helping ordinary people know and follow Jesus. And this is the mission, to see, to see those that don't know Jesus come into a relationship with him. And for those that do, to help them on their journey of following him. And this is not just my journey and my mission as a pastor. So this is not my mission statement individually. I want to I help you understand, if you belong to the local church, meaning you identify as a Jesus follower, this is your mission as well. It's not just the pastor's job. It is the church's job. It is part of, it is the local church's mission to accomplish this statement. We are people helping people know and follow Jesus. And today is a day of celebration. We, we stop at one year to pause and look up to God and say, thank you for the lives that have, being, have been changed. Thank you for the baptisms that we've had so far. Thank you for the baptisms we will. Thank you for the 47 individuals who have come to know and follow you since we opened our doors. And thank you for the many more that will follow in their footsteps um, in the next year and couple years. So we pause and we celebrate, not because we're done, but because we're just getting started. We're just getting started in reaching this community. And we know the mission is big. We know it. There are tens of thousands of people that live in a 20-mile uh, radius of this location that do not know Jesus. And we're here to reach them. We're here to help them know and follow Jesus. But if we are going to do that, if we are going to accomplish the mission, we've been in a collection of talks for the past couple of weeks, and this is the last week for it, called Hero Makers. If we are going to accomplish the mission, we need hero makers. And what is a hero maker? We've, we've defined it in the past couple of weeks. A hero maker is a follower of Jesus who as they are following Jesus, they are not just his disciple, but they are making other disciples as well. They go from being the hero of their story to they go making 
other heroes of other people to follow the ultimate hero, which is Jesus. You know, sometimes in the local church, we talk about like, the, you know, when you accept Jesus, you get new purpose in life. You get a new mission in life. And we're all like, amen, brother, that'll preach. But what does that look like? Like, what is that? Like, flesh it out for me. What does this look like? Okay, we have been called to be hero makers. And in week one, we talked about what does it look like to think like a hero maker? It, we, we talked about what does it look like to think like a hero maker. Last, last week, we talked about what does it look like to bless others? Like, what, is, what does it mean to bless other people? Is it more than just something you say after a sneeze? Or, or is it, what does blessing look like? And you can find all of that on our podcast. So I don't have time to catch us up to speed. But um, this week, we're talking about what does it look like to live like a hero maker. In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, um, Jesus has uh, lived his life here on earth. He lived a perfect life, and he came for you and for me because he loves you. And he died on the cross. And while he was on the cross, all the wrath and judgment that God had towards sin and the brokenness of this world, he put it on Jesus. And Jesus says, it is finished, meaning all God's wrath, all God's punishment is settled with Jesus on the cross. So Jesus willingly gives up his spirit and dies on the cross. He is dead for three days, and Scripture teaches us while he is dead for three days, he goes to hell, and he grabs the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and he says, these are mine now. Death is dead. I have conquered all. And he rises from the grave three days later, and he shows up to his disciples. And in his last days here on earth, in fact, his last moments here on earth, Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples because Jesus is leaving. He is ascending up into heaven. He is going to leave earth temporarily. I say temporarily, like a couple thousand years. Like I don't know when he's coming back. From that moment until he comes back, Jesus is not walking on the earth anymore. So Jesus leaves earth, and right before he leaves, he looks at his disciples, and this is what he says. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. When you look at the story of Jesus and you look at the Gospels, some people much smarter than me did a, uh, brought it down to this. Between the ages of 30 and 33, when Jesus called his disciples, Jesus spent close to 75% of his time with his disciples. 75% of his life from 30 to 33 when he started his public ministry was spent with his disciples. He didn't just give them a good, like, he didn't just give them a good speech, and they listened, and then he was like, peace out. Like, I want nothing to do with you. I'll wash my hands. I'm going to go solo. He brought them in on this journey with him. He invested in them. They were his community, and he treated them like they were. And as the ultimate hero maker, which Jesus modeled for us and how he led, this is what it looks like to live like a hero maker. And this is what it looks like. And this is what Jesus taught us. Living like a hero maker requires a shift from information sharing to life sharing as we intentionally overlap our lives with others. Living like a hero maker, somebody on mission requires a shift from information sharing, right? There's this old old phrase, people don't care how much you know, people don't care how much they know, you know until they know how much you care. 
it's shifting from information sharing to life sharing as we intentionally overlap our lives with others. Verse 19, when he says, go, therefore, and teach all nations, making disciples and baptizing them, that in the original language, it says, while you're going. So I ask you this question, who are you currently doing life with? Do you have a community to pour into? Because you can't reach a community you don't have. There are a couple thoughts as we walk through what does it look like to live out and to life share with people. I think my first thought is this. Hero makers bring Jesus into their community intentionally. Hero makers bring Jesus into their communities intentionally. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you've even said it. I doubt anybody in this room has ever said it. Y'all are, y'all are perfect individuals, and there's not, uh, there's, yeah, there's not one messed up person in the room. But maybe you've heard this. Maybe you've said this of individuals who are like, how, how can we reach the world? How, how, can, we, how can we reach this? The, 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 like, it is so much going on in the world. I, I open my phone and I get on social media and there's so much going on in, in Europe and, 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 and in Ukraine and, and there's so much going on in all the, these parts of the world. And we see like national like, like disasters happening all over. And we're like, how can we help? How, how can we reach the rest of the world? How can we extend our reach and reach the nations, right? And maybe you've been a part of churches that say that, or maybe you have been a, a part of, uh, maybe your family, you're like, we say this. Like, how can we reach the nations? Well, let me, let me ask you this. Are you, are you called to the nations? Like, and I'm not asking, like, like retort. Like, I'm asking, like, do you feel called to go reach Poland, do you feel called to go reach Germany? Well, no. People do, and we can support them, but don't lose sleep over it. Why? Because if you're not called to go to Poland, then don't worry about Poland. If you are planted here in the Harmony St. Cloud, worry about Harmony St. Cloud. And we have to be intentional about, stop worrying about things that, honestly, you can't control. We can pray for them, but many of you think that, yeah, we need to reach the, you know, we need to reach, like, the world with the gospel. And that's great, and we do, but there are people that are going to do that. This church locally needs to be intentionally reaching our community with the gospel. Don't say you have a heart to reach the world whenever you don't have the courage to reach your neighbor. And I don't say that condemningly. I say that to help you think through, like, it is bigger than you to think that you are going to reach the nation you're not but you can reach your neighbor you can reach your co-worker you can reach your friend and we need to start becoming intentional about how we reach our community as you are going look for opportunities to bring up jesus look for opportunities to be jesus in the lives of others and those around you god has placed you where you are not by accident but on purpose for a purpose. He has. You do not live where you live by accident. You do not work where you work by accident. You have been uniquely placed in a unique position to reach unique people that only you uniquely can reach. And we need to start being intentional with our words and our relationships and our community into how we reach them. You know what is really easy in our day to in our in our day today, and I, I can fall victim of this sometimes too. When you look outside of your house and you see how messed up the world is, you're like, "That's it. 
we're, we're hunkering down, right? We got enough rations for a couple months, and then it's up to God, right? But God, God never called us to play it safe. There is not, in fact, when you look at the story of the disciples, the heroes of faith that were like, man, if I could just have the faith of Matthew, if I could just have the faith of John, if I could just have the faith of Peter. Ten out of the 11 disciples that Jesus is talking to all brutally died. Like, there is no playing it safe when it comes to following Jesus. And we need to be intentional about reaching our community and developing community in our community to reach them with the gospel. So, thought number one, hero makers bring Jesus into their community intentionally. Thought number two, hero makers are disciples who make disciples who make disciples, right? Hero makers are disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Jesus looked at his disciples, he goes, go therefore, making disciples, well, we know the gospel didn't stop at the 11, right? There aren't 11 Jesus followers in the world today. Those 11 disciples started a movement called the Modern Church in the book of Acts right after Jesus ascended into heaven. And those 11 disciples are now the reason there are 660 million evangelicals in our world today, making up close to around 12% of the earth's population. Started with 11 and now we are at 660 million of the world's population. Year one of our church, honestly, was just foundation building. Of like, how can we get consistent in what we do? How can we build consistent relationships? Okay, now we have a strong, supportive community. We're in groups. We're serving together. We're inviting people. But now we're going from the foundation building to the multiplication stage. We need to be multiplying and living on mission. I'm talking about like the number of salvations next year needs to be higher than the 47. Why? Because we're all about numbers? No, because every number has a name and every name has a soul and that soul will spend eternity somewhere. And healthy churches grow. Healthy things grow. And we need to be in the multiplying stage. Say, Troy, how do I do this? How do I multiply? How do I multiply myself? How do I witness to people? How do I lead people? How do I disciple people? You know, like one of the number one questions that I get as a pastor is like, what's your discipleship program? I'm like, you ready? Here it is. Step number one, I do, you watch, we talk. This is a great leadership principle and this is a great way to disciple people. I'm gonna do this. You watch me, and then we talk afterwards. How about, and then we, once you feel like they're starting to understand, you go, all right, how about this one? I do, you help me, and then we talk afterwards. And then you do, I help, we talk. You do, I watch, we talk. And then you do, and someone else watches. So now, you have one disciple you're saying, hey, will you help me with this? I do. You watch. We talk. Okay, I'll do it. Okay, now you do. Someone else watches. And we start the cycle over again. And then I start the cycle over again. And next thing you know, it's, okay, now you do. Someone else watches. And now we're here. I was playing golf the other weekend, or actually this past weekend. And um, if you're asking me, like, are you good at golf? How'd it go the other day? I'm like, it was terrible. Like, it was, I, I, it's, it's bad, right? Um, 
when I have a bad back, it's not an excuse. It, it, it isn't, but it is a reason I'm bad at golf, so just, um, just FYI. But I, I was playing golf the other day, and um, I, I heard this illustration one time, and um, I'm not a gambler by any means, so please don't think this is what I'm doing. I just heard about other people doing it, okay? So um, let's say, you, you know, people gamble at golf, and, and if somebody were to say, hey, let's play for $100 a hole, you're like, oh, dude, that's way too much. I can't, even, I can't even think about doing that. But what if I were to say, hey, let's, let's do 10 cents a hole, but every hole it doubles. There's 18 holes in golf. I'm like, all right, if the math adds up. That should equal to like, what, 10 bucks by the last hole? <laughs> no. Uh, 10 cents, hole number one. Hole number two, you're betting 20, 20 cents the hole, right? 20 cents on the ground. I may think about picking it up. I may not. I don't know. You know, like you see a, a two dimes on the ground, you're like, mm. But then we get to hole number three, you're at, 80 cents, or sorry, 40 cents, and then hole number four, you're at 80 cents, and the hole number five, you're at $1.60, right? Like, still not breaking the bank, but, like, it's $1.60, right? You go to McDonald's, you're going to make double with that money, right? That's a good day. By hole number nine, you're at $25.60 a hole that you're betting. Listen, that's a couple value meals at McDonald's with a, with a good-sized family, right? That's, that's two number ones, large size at Chick-fil-A, all right? And I say that from experience. <laughs> and then at the 13th hole, you're at $409.60 is how much the hole is worth. And then by the 18th hole, the last hole of the round, you're at 13000 $107.20 for the hole. How did we get here? We said, this is not too small for me. This is not too small of a mission for me. And how many times do we think serving the church? How many times do we think inviting somebody to church is a small, like, it's too small. Like, I, I'm, I'm made for more. But what starts out as small over time, makes a big difference. I, I did the math and I started with our, I went, took this a step farther in our church. What would happen if we lived out this challenge? What could we do at Harvest if only 50% of our people made a disciple every year? So right now our church averages in total right around 140 people. Um, that, that's about the size of our congregation. Let's say 70 people in our church this year said, I'm going to multiply myself. Year one, we start out with 70. Year two, we're at 140. By year five, we have 1,120 disciples. 10 years from now, we would have 35,840 disciples. That's if every single person in this room said, I'll make a disciple. I'll, I'll help somebody know and follow Jesus. And then I'll do, they watch, and then we talk, and then I do, they help, and then we talk, and we go through that process, and then we go from one to two, two to, or four to eight, and then eight to 16, and then 16 to 32, and then 32 to 64, and we just continue to multiply, and what started out as small, half of the congregation, half of you saying, I'm in, I'll take that step, I'll, I'll, I'll go on mission for that, I, I'll be a part of that, in 10 years' time, our church could look like 35,840 individuals. And we would reach this community. 
We would, we would make such an impact in this community that it would be hard to ignore the gospel in this area. And the people that we are baptizing today are taking their first steps of being a disciple of Jesus. And they are doing this because somebody poured into them. And at our two-year anniversary, I challenge you, who could you look at and say, yeah, those, that, that's my one from this year. Well, those are my two, that, those are my three guys, those are my three gals. I've been really pouring into them this past year. In fact, they're getting baptized today. Or in fact, they chose to follow Jesus today. They sit beside me every single Sunday. Those are, those are my two, those are my three. I challenge you guys at the two-year anniversary, a year from now, to be like, those are my two, those are my three. Those are, those are the people, and now I see them making, their, I see them making disciples. We can't do this by ourselves. We need to do it together. But we need to take it personally. And when we live on mission as Jesus followers, as blessed people, as people who multiply as hero makers, we will reach this community. And we will accomplish, accomplish our goal, which is to make it very hard for people to go to hell in Harmony St. Cloud. And this is how we do it. By being hero makers together by linking arms with those beside us and saying, this is going to be difficult. This isn't going to be easy. In fact, when you take the mission of God seriously, you become a threat to the enemy. And the enemy doesn't like to be threatened. But like we just sang about, God's word says, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of the living God. And here's what that means. We've, I've talked about it before. Maybe you've heard this before. But what are gates designed to do? They're, meant, they're designed, if you look at a fortress, to keep things out. And here's what the church does, and here's what God promises. You storm the gates of hell. You storm the darkness in this community, in this city. You storm with love and grace. Not like, get up, right? No, like, we do it with love and grace and compassion. But we look at the people who are lost, who eternities are not certain. They have no hope in this world after, after what comes next. And we look at them. And we understand what God's word says, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of the living God, meaning this, it cannot stop us. Oh, it can discourage us. It can distract us. But here's how the church falls apart. It doesn't fall apart because of persecution. It, it falls apart because of division. The only way the church falls apart is from within. And so if you want the church to thrive, let it be persecuted. And you want it to be persecuted, you make the community uncomfortable with how bold we are with the gospel and the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. And when we are persecuted throughout church history, when the church has been persecuted, it has blown up. It has skyrocketed in numbers. When the church is left alone and the people are content with the people in this room, the church dies and it becomes dormant. But when people say, yes, I will multiply myself and I will be a hero maker, the church begins to explode. The good news begins to get out and we become a beacon of hope. We become a light on a hill, a city on a hill that cannot be ignored. This is our mission. This is our goal going into year two and I'm going. Our family's going. We're going with the gospel of Jesus who has radically changed everything. Will you join us? Will you join us on this journey to reach this community with the gospel of Jesus?
The gospel changes everything. So again, we're going. We'd love for you to join us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for you. We're thankful for your goodness. We're thankful for your grace. We're thankful for your gift of your son Jesus who came and died on the cross and rose again. We're thankful for his death, burial, and resurrection and what that means for us. God, the cross is empty and the grave is empty, which means you're alive and well and you're on the throne. And to anybody listening to the sound of my voice, I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior today. Eternity is too long to be wrong, and we are eternal-minded individuals. We are an eternal-minded church. And eternity hangs in the balance based on your decision on earth. Not decisions based on how good of a life you live, but the one decision to say Jesus is who he says he is, did what he says he did, and I choose to follow him for the rest of my life. That's the ultimate decision. And if you have never made a decision to follow Jesus and you feel the Holy Spirit stirring something in your heart right now, that is God letting you know he is with you, he is for you, and the gift of salvation is to you today. And all you have to do is accept it. So if that is you in the room and you say, I want to choose to follow Jesus today, no head, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody's going to, we bow our heads out of respect to God, we close our eyes out of respect to those around us. If nobody's looking around, but if you want to do that today, I'm going to say a prayer, and if you would just repeat this prayer after me, God's word says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. Yeah, but what do I need to change in my life? God will change your life. You just need to allow him. You need to accept him so that way you can allow him to change your life. But I'm not worried about you getting cleaned up today. Today I'm worried about you choosing to follow Jesus. So if that's you this morning, repeat this prayer after me if you want to choose to follow Jesus. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Today was not promised, so I thank you for it. And I come here confessing I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I confess that Jesus is that Savior. Jesus, I believe you died, you rose again, and you are alive today. And you are the only way to heaven. I believe that, and I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Every head still bowed, every eye still closed. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today or for the first time you actually meant it, nobody's looking around. I just want to know how I can pray for you. Would you raise your hand? Anybody? Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? I'm not going to make this moment linger longer than it needs to, but anybody else in the room? Today I chose to follow Jesus. Okay. For the rest of us, let me just say a quick prayer over you. Dear God, we love you and we're thankful for you. And I pray that as we, God, take this journey, if we're followers of Jesus, we are, we are not saved to just sit. We are saved to be sent. And God, I pray that we would live on mission. And God, we would get off the couch and get into the game. That God, we would trust you and follow you. And when you prompt something in our spirit to go talk to somebody, to pray over somebody, to witness to somebody, to bring up Jesus in a conversation, that we wouldn't cower because we know what's at stake and eternity is at stake. And God, you didn't come for material things, God. You came for people, and that needs to be our priority. 
God, and, and people will spend eternity somewhere. So I pray that you would stir something supernaturally powerful and God and, and mission-oriented in the hearts of each and every single person in our church this morning. God, I pray that you would stir something within them that, God, lasts for months and years to come where they can look back and say, on October 23rd, 2022, God radically wrecked my life and my heart for people. And we have to get this gospel out. We have to get the message of Jesus out. God, I pray that that is somebody's story this morning. That God, we would look back on this day and age of celebration, not celebrating for the fact that we're done, but that we're just getting started. God, you are great. You are, you are amazing. You are our Father. You are our Savior. You are our Shepherd. You are the light and the darkness. God, you're the hope in the middle of fear. God, you're the calm in the storm. God, you're the anchor in the storm. God, you are the foundation when life gives way. You are the foundation that does not shake. God, you are grace, you are hope, you are joy, you are life. You are everything our soul longs for in life can be met and found and satisfied in you and in you alone. So God, we love you, we are thankful for you, and we follow you, and we accept your mission to reach people with your gospel. Give us the boldness to do so. In Jesus' name, amen.